It sounded fun. It sounded a little silly. It sounded challenging to get all this done. So for the rest of my life, I can say I launched my book on Friday the 13th. I mean, if everyone else thinks it's a bad idea, then it sounds like a really good idea to me, right? Thomas Edison, Richard Branson, John F. Kennedy, Mozart, Michael Jordan, Will Smith. That sounds like a list of highly successful titans in a variety of vocations. Why is it that we rarely hear that they have or had ADHD? And you know what we hear even less about? Serena Williams, Emma Watson, Mel Robbins, Whoopi Goldberg, Agatha Christie, Aaron Brockovich, Cher. Yeah, the successful women navigating ADHD. And that's exactly why I started this podcast, ADHD for Smartass Women. I'm your host, Tracy Otsuka. I'm a lawyer, not a doctor, a lifelong student, now a coach. I'm also the creator of Your ADHD Brain is A-OK, a system that helps people like you figure out what they should do with their life. And we're here today to talk ADHD, your strengths, your symptoms, your workarounds, and how you proudly stand out instead of trying to fit in. I credit my ADHD for some of my greatest gifts. And you know what? I spy a happier life for you too. So without further ado, a shiny new episode is starting now. Hello, 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 and welcome. I'm Tracy Otsuka, and I've got a bonus episode for you today of ADHD for Smartass Women. Of course, as usual, I hope you'll subscribe to this podcast and our newsletter over at ADHDforsmartwomen.com. My purpose, you know this, it's always to show you who you are and then inspire you to be it. And in the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting, I've never met a one that wasn't truly brilliant at something. Not one. And that, my friend, includes you. So I was thinking about the thousands of ADHD women that I've had the privilege of meeting and how so many of us have this streak, right? There's a streak in us, this need to be original, to not do things like everyone else does them, to not follow the expected rules. In fact, we often question the rules. We ask, why do I have to do it this way? Sometimes we're called difficult and oppositional and stubborn, sometimes irreverent. And so I wanted to know, why are we like that? The research I dug up, likely from people who don't have ADHD, possibly neurotypicals, said this. Number one, because we're impulsive and we don't fully consider the consequences. And I'm thinking, bullshit. Trust me. I know the consequences. It's happened enough times. I'm going to say something, and then I'm going to feel like I'm outside the pack, right? The thing is, I know that, and I don't really give a damn. I don't want to feel like an insider. I mean, I do want to feel like an insider with my people, people that are like me, right, and feel the same way that I do. But the rest, I could literally give a rip. 
I don't really care about the consequences. I'm more mortified to constrain myself to fit in. So I'm in the pack, right? There's a quote on my website that I just love, and it says, are you extra or are they just basic? And so I don't want to be vanilla. I don't want to be cookie cutter. I don't want to do what everyone else is doing. I don't want to be basic. Number two, frustration and emotional regulation was the other reason given by, I'm assuming a neurotypical, as to why we might be irreverent or oppositional. And this is the thing. I'm not frustrated. I mean, okay, maybe I'm frustrated that these same people are calling ADHD a disorder because in my mind, the only disorder would be a disorder of being misunderstood. And being misunderstood here as well, right? I don't feel emotionally dysregulated or particularly frustrated when I make the decision to question the rules. Maybe the word is exasperated because, oh my gosh, how long are we going to continue doing things your way when my way makes so much more sense? And your way, it's not working for a large percentage of the population. You know, right now I'm talking about education. <laughs> but really, 150 years and we're still doing things pretty much the same way and excluding probably your most brilliant kids from opportunities because they can't learn the way you want them to learn, right? For example, they can't read with the left side of their brain, but they do pretty damn great with the right side of their brain because, lo and behold, they have dyslexia. Number three, another reason that's given is we have executive functioning deficits, such as problems planning, organization, and self-control, and that this can lead to difficulty following rules or conforming to expected behavior. Okay, I get it. I definitely have some of these challenges. And so maybe my pushback is, why do we have to do it this way? Because it doesn't work for me. But wouldn't any human feel this way if their way isn't working for them? Why do we need all this paperwork? Why do we have to follow this arbitrary deadline that works for you but not me? Why can't you make an exception and instead have to stick to your stupid rules if you can literally push a button and we can be done with this? And if I struggle with some of this executive function stuff, why not make it easier for me instead of penalizing me for the brain I was born with? Number four, the other reason that I found that was given for why those with ADHD might be more irreverent or oppositional is we have challenges in reading social cues, maintaining attention during conversations, or impulsively interrupting. Now, I don't think people with ADHD all have social difficulties. For many of us, it's our gift, our area of interest, and that's because we often have deep empathy and consequently really strong interpersonal intuition. We're great at making connections not only with thoughts and ideas, but also with other people. And yes, Okay, I may struggle with maintaining attention when it comes to boring, how's the weather cocktail kind of conversation. And when I get excited, I might interrupt you. But how does that make me more irreverent or oppositional? So I looked up the word irreverent because I wasn't quite sure what exactly does that mean? The definition is showing a lack of respect for people or things that are generally taken seriously. Oh, I guess like not wearing black to a funeral or not paying attention in class. It's funny, but I've always loved when people call me irreverent. I take it as a compliment. To me, it means that I beat to my own drum, but I'm also empathetic and intuitive, so I really do try to be kind about it. 
Then I looked up the word oppositional and discovered that the definition is characterized by resistance or dissent. So children with ODD or, or oppositional defiant disorder are uncooperative, defiant, and hostile towards peers, parents, teachers, and other authority figures. So the first question I would ask is, why are they uncooperative, defiant, and hostile towards peers, parents, teachers, and other authority figures? I think it's because they're not allowed to be who they really are. No one will listen to them. And when no one will listen to you and just tries to force you into a box that you know you don't belong in, isn't it normal to become uncooperative, defiant, and hostile? Because the alternative is you do what a lot of ADHD girls do, right? You give over your power, you develop learned helplessness, and you do what you think they want you to do and become who they want you to be, and then you get anxiety and depression and perhaps a personality disorder to boot. So enough of this. I decided that what I really needed were the experts in this subject. And so I turned to my 100,000 or so women that I love and respect who make up our ADHD for Smartass Women Facebook group. These are women who have real world experience. So I asked the same question. Why might those with ADHD be more irreverent or oppositional? And this is what I got back. Shaniqua shared, I'm a screenwriter, and it is such a drive to not do things the way everyone else is doing them. It bothers me so much that there is basically one accepted storytelling structure for movies. I've been called a contrarian, told I have a problem with authority, but I'm the person who you have to prove to that you're worth following. Taylor responded to Shaniqua's comment by saying this, I always ruin movies for my boyfriend. Five minutes in, I sigh, roll my eyes, and blurt out the ending. I'm right every time, and he's totally disgusted. He asked me how I knew, and I try to explain. I mean, it seems so simple, but he just stares at me in confusion before snapping, never mind. She's got three laughy faces after that. Danielle shared this. I see myself as someone whose brain thinks ahead more steps than most folks. I also see connections where other people don't. This leads me to question, be difficult, and sometimes oppositional. I frequently get, doesn't matter, you're going to do what you want anyways, from my partners. Julie jumped in and offered in response to Danielle this, my husband used to tell me this a lot. After lots of hard times together and work on our relationship, he now jokingly calls himself my road manager and says that he's along for the adventure. He just needed to learn to flip it into a positive and either keep up or get left behind. Yeah, I think Danielle is absolutely right. And I remember Fran Rizzo, who's been on our podcast twice. I bill her as the most creative person I've ever met. And she basically told me that her brain is so quick. So that means she can see steps way ahead of others she's working with. They get frustrated with her. But she can see if you do X, Y is going to happen, which isn't good. So she'll say, let's do Z instead. And people won't see it. They can't see it yet. And so they'll fight her on it. And then sometimes they don't listen. And she's like, eh, I told you so. But Fran says sometimes she's also seen as difficult, even though they will concede that she's very talented. And I think that's where the term the temperamental artist comes from. 
but they're not temperamental, right? They're telling you what's going to happen if you do it this way, and usually they're right. So Claire volunteered this. This might be a little eccentric for the podcast, but I believe it's evolution in action. Although we don't have all the concrete evidence for it, I think ADHD is caused by genetic memory of trauma and causes our brain to be more adaptive and less afraid of difference, more inclined to innovate, take chances, and pursue justice, less inclined to the status quo, fitting in, and being unnoticed. Something in our ancestors' environment has given the message to our DNA that it's not safe, it's not working for us, and someone needs to change it. It's maladaptive to conformist society, but it's extremely beneficial to creativity, innovation, leadership, and radical thinking. Hence why we're also good in emergencies when others go to pieces, can push past feelings of discomfort to do what's needed, say things that others won't say, and obsessively cleave to our values and life's purpose. I don't think it's eccentric at all, Claire. I agree. A couple months ago, I got a one-star review, and the comment was, she thinks ADHD is evolutionary, which is just silly. Okay. As Jennifer mentioned, we're told we're argumentative or passionate, depending on whether the commenter agrees with us or doesn't. That's so true. Here's what Meg said. We're innovators, creators, adventurers, and connectors. We are not supposed to do it like everybody else. People with ADHD have been done a disservice by the idea that there is a right way to do something. Often we're told our way is wrong from writing papers to doing dishes. That kind of thinking is what leads to paralysis and struggle. Let us do it our own way. Start in the middle or the end or wherever you feel a spark. Don't let them get you down. Go unleash that potential. You've got your own path to blaze. I love that, Meg, and couldn't agree more. Jennifer shared, I think it's an attraction to novelty. We get a charge from the unusual thing and latch onto it. We're trendsetters because the trend is only attractive to us when it's just barely noticeable to everyone else. Or we just create them out of left field because something in our voracious gathering process tickles us and we run with it. Absolutely. We're dopamine-seeking, right? And we love the novel, the sparkly, and the challenging. I love that, Jessica. Anne shared this. I like to think of it as originality being a core value. I get actively angry when I, for example, go on LinkedIn and I see that 12 people in my feed have posted the same video clip with the same banal comment. I automatically respect those people a little less because I see absolutely no point in regurgitating the same things over and over again. I admire people who say and do things in new and interesting ways and am unwilling to let myself produce anything that I don't think has some originality in it. And I would rather not post anything than post what everyone else is posting. I feel the same way about quotes. I don't share what other people say because they're not me. I have my own opinions and my own ideas, right? So if I'm not sharing them, then I feel like I'm doing something wrong. I feel like, you know what? They can share their own ideas. I also love what Emily said. We feel deeply and are intuitive, so we feel things and see things that neurotypicals might not see. The world is not currently built for people with ADHD. I feel like when I push back, I'm being true to myself, making people understand things more from my perspective, 
and trying to change the way things are for the future, not following the flock. Deep need for justice also plays a part. Feeling people should be held accountable for their actions. If they do something wrong, it should be brought to light. That things should be fair. I think a lot of us feel like we're almost special, that we're made for more. We want to take risks, do all the things, try to live life to the fullest, albeit not always the safest. So true. I love this, Emily. I hear this all the time. There's a sense that we're meant to do more, and I personally think it's true. What I've seen over and over again is if we get really clear on who we are and what's important to us and live in our strengths, our passion, and our purpose, you know, right in that sweet spot, we actually can do a lot more. When we struggle, it's when we're doing what they want us to do and being who they want us to be. So Janie shared this. I believe my oppositional don't-tell-me-what-to-do trait stemmed from being an inattentive child whose mother was constantly telling me what to do. She had to because on my own, it would not occur to me to clean up the messes I made. Mom felt exasperated and I felt humiliated. I had to do as I was told or be sent to bed or spanked. I became an adult and no longer had to do what mom or my husband told me to do. (laughs) I didn't want my husband to be thinking it was okay to tell me what to do. So if he did, I'd tell him just for telling me to run the vacuum, it won't happen for at least three weeks. But sometimes I was wanting to do some household chores before he told me to. And then my defiance held me back. I came to terms with this by doing whatever I was already planning to do, even if he told me to, because it was already my idea. We started getting along better. He stopped telling me what to do. And here's Lucy adding so much clarity. This is what she offered. We can be emergency leaders, the person who keeps it together and is still able to problem solve when neurotypicals are stuck in fight, flight, or freeze. Because adrenaline gives us clarity and efficiency. That's easy. But the originality, ability to question, bear with me. I'm thinking while I write. Number one, we don't discriminate between what we notice, so we notice a lot, including different ways to do the thing, patterns in people's behavior, or small clues that something is wrong, like that weird, slightly rough spot on the wall that nobody wants to believe is a problem until the whole building collapses. Number two, we don't want to do the thing if it's boring, so we find new, interesting ways to do it, or easier ways, or more efficient ways. Number three, we have diverse knowledge that gives us ideas that less curious humans in a given field won't have because they are simply too specialized. Great point, right? Number four, We must give meaning to what we do. So we need to understand from A to Z, even if we're in charge of T only, the thing, right? It gives us perspective. If there's a flaw somewhere that could be fixed, now we can't do the thing because the whole thing becomes dumb. Number five, for the same reason we can't follow rules if they don't make sense to us. So we question them. And sometimes, not always, But usually, I added the usually, we're right. Number six, we simply have so many things going on in our head at any given time that there's no point following someone else's idea. And Kristen? Well, Kristen came in at the back of the herd with this brilliant observation. Humans are herd animals, like zebras. The safest spot 
is in the middle, blending into the black and white stripes. Here, you can live your whole life with your head down, relying entirely on the movement of the herd to dictate your actions. ADHDers can't live like that. Our brains are far too curious. We want to see what's beyond the herd. We're best suited for the perimeter, where we can take in the wild expanse and watch for tigers hiding in the grass. It's not as safe being an outsider, but we're quick on our feet, can change direction on a dime. And let's face it, we love the thrill that comes with risk. We can see what the other zebras can't, and it's our quick response time to the danger that keeps the entire herd safe. We lead the stampede, and leaders need to stand out. Now, you know that I've talked all about this book, also called ADHD for Smartass Women, just like this podcast, that's coming out at the end of the year. And I have been working with my book people, and for weeks they've been trying to nail me down. Give us an official pre-order launch date, they begged of me. And I've been Mickey-mousing around, refusing to commit to anything. And then I'm on my Peloton this morning, and I realize that tomorrow is Friday the 13th, and suddenly I'm inspired. Now, trust me, if I told my book people and most neurotypicals that my official pre-order book launch date was going to be on Friday the 13th, you know, they would have done everything they could to talk me out of it because Friday the 13th, I don't know, it's notoriously bad luck. It just sounds bad. But not for me, it isn't. Oppositional me, irreverent me, contrarian me. I get excited every time a black cat crosses my path. Or I can walk under an open ladder. Or a mirror breaks. So why wouldn't I think that Friday the 13th of October is the best day to officially announce my pre-order book campaign? Of course, in true ADHD fashion, this meant no planning, and everything had to be done at the last minute. Big old fire drill, right? Actually, it's not a fire drill. It's a fire. But you know what? It sounded fun. It sounded a little silly. It sounded challenging to get all this done. I could get excited about this, and for the rest of my life, I can say I launched my book on Friday the 13th. I mean, if everyone else thinks it's a bad idea, then it sounds like a really good idea to me, right? And it probably sounds like a really good idea to you, too. Will you help prove me right? Will you help me make sure this book sells? Look, right after I got off my Peloton, I shot off an email to Nico. He's my podcast editor. Wonderful, Nico. And I said, Nico, I'm finally feeling it. I want to do this. Can you turn this last-minute podcast around now? He sent me a three-word response back. Let's do it. Then I sent a voice DM to my crazy ADHD and live video tech gal friend, Sandra, who's helping me with all the online stuff related to this book. And I asked her, what do you think? And she laughed and said, I wore the number 13 jersey when I was playing soccer because no one else on my team would. So as they say, it was in the cards. Look, I wrote this book, ADHD for Smartass Women, to change the conversation around ADHD because I was certain that it was wrong. I was certain it was wrong because every single time I met one of you, it confirmed again what I say on the podcast every episode, that I've never met an ADHD woman that wasn't truly brilliant at something. Let's help as many women as we possibly can fall in love with her ADHD brain. And you know, the more of you that pre-order, the more visibility we'll get, the more women we can help, 
the more happy, or I should say the happier, my HarperCollins William Morrow team will be with me and truly the more grateful that I will be for you. So please pre-order my book at ADHDforsmartwomen.com forward slash book so that I don't look like a last minute Millie with my publisher. And by the way, it's not ADHDforsmartasswomen.com. The browsers will ding me if the word ass is in the URL. I'm sure the companies are all run by neurotypicals. Anyway, when you do this, you're going to get access to all kinds of things like two live workshops. So you're going to get bonuses just for pre-ordering. You're going to get access to two live workshops with me, one on what ADHD really looks like in women. That's going to be at the beginning of November. Another is going to be on ADHD, stress, and sleep, specifically how to get better sleep. And these are strategies that work, and they're from a former The Importance of Sleep Denier. That would be me. Yeah. And that's going to be in December. And then in a couple of weeks, you're also going to get our ADHD for Smartass Women Appendix, where we've curated the best books, the best websites, directories, and tools for falling in love with your ADHD brain. All of this for the cost of a $28 book. I need your help. Let's go change some lives. And pardon me while I open my umbrella indoors. As always, you're listening to ADHD for Smartass Women. Come join me over at ADHDforsmartwomen.com. Thank you so much for listening. I will see you here at our regular time next week. And go pre-order that book now before you forget. I know you. I know your brain. You've been listening to the ADHD for Smartass Women podcast. I'm your host, Tracy Outsuka, and we're available on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Not coincidentally, ADHD for Smartass Women, it's also the name of our free Facebook group. We're a totally smartass community of successful, ambitious women who share our ADHD wins, questions, and workarounds. Join us at tracyoutsuka.com, where you can also find more information on our Your ADHD Brain is A-OK system. I spy a happier life for us, and I'll see you again next week.